Back in the day when my girls were born, it was not easy to share photos and videos with loved ones, but you have a fantastic option available, the Family Album app. The Family Album app was created in 2015 and has operated in the long term to give parents a secure and easy way to share photos and videos with loved ones. It's a totally secure personal haven for your family's memories. I love that there's no third-party ads, no unwanted eyes. Now, let me share some of the great features that make the Family Album app a go-to app. First off, the app automatically sorts photos and videos by month, allowing you to swipe back in time and see how your child has grown. No more scrolling through endless feeds or searching through folders. Another cool feature about the Family Album app is you can order eight free photo prints every month to be delivered to your home. It's really nice to have some tangible pictures to hold onto or share to document each month of your baby's life. Plus, the Family Album app has unlimited storage and it is totally free. Yes, you heard that right. No more worrying about running out of space or being bombarded by ads when you're just trying to relive those heartwarming moments. So if you are still trying to use other messaging apps for your kids' photos, it is time to level up your family photo game with a free photo sharing app. Head over to the App Store today, search Family Album, it's all one word, download the app and start creating a legacy of love one photo at a time. Dr. Mom Butt Balm is a pediatrician approved skin protectant free of dyes, preservatives and zinc oxide. It was developed by a mom who is also a doctor when she couldn't find any traditional products that worked for her baby's persistent diaper rash. Diaper rash can be one of the worst experiences your little one has to go through and keeping their delicate skin happy and healthy shouldn't require a spatula to apply thick, goopy treatments that can be just as irritating and uncomfortable as the diaper rash itself. Use just a small amount of Dr. Mom Butt Balm to help soothe your baby's skin and feel good about making the right choice. Dr. Mom is committed to providing an ultra premium formula for moms who will not settle when it comes to their little ones. Help your baby feel better and get relief from irritating diaper rash with simple quality ingredients, no artificial dyes or preservatives, so it's gentle on your baby's delicate skin. Head to Amazon.com or Walmart.com to grab Dr. Mom Butt Balm because nothing comes between you and your baby, especially not diaper rash. This is a great birth story episode with Chelsea where she shares how she was really able to advocate for herself during her birth. Welcome to the All About Pregnancy and Birth podcast. I'm Dr. Nicole Calloway-Rankins, a board-certified OBGYN who's been in practice for nearly 15 years. I've had the privilege of helping over 1,000 babies into this world, and I'm here to help you be calm, confident, and empowered to have a beautiful pregnancy and birth. Quick note, this podcast is for educational purposes only and is not a substitute for medical advice. Check out the full disclaimer at drnicolerankins.com forward slash disclaimer. Now let's get to it. 
Hello there. Welcome to another episode of the podcast. This is episode number 205. Whether you are a new listener or a returning listener, I am so glad that you are spending some of your time with me today. In today's episode of the podcast, we have Chelsea. Chelsea is a first time mom. She and her husband live in Atlanta. They're both born and raised in Georgia. She works as a criminal defense attorney, but in her pre-baby free time, she liked to bake and roller skate. As a black woman, Chelsea's biggest fear was dying in childbirth. I, I hear that very commonly, actually. So she set out to learn all that she could to best support herself in a hospital setting. Now, in the end, nothing went according to plan. However, her birth education allowed her to make hard decisions with confidence and to ask the questions she needed to make the best decisions for her and her baby. She was really forced to surrender control, as she said, over her story, and she was able to embrace the cards she was dealt. You are definitely going to enjoy and learn a lot from this conversation with Chelsea. Now, Chelsea is a member of my online childbirth education class, the birth preparation course. That was part of what she did in order to get ready to have a baby in the hospital. The birth preparation course is specifically designed for folks who plan to give birth in the hospital. It's how you get calm, confident, and empowered to give birth in that setting. It's completely online. You can go through it uh, on your own time, at your own pace. Uh, There's also support available in a Facebook community when you have questions or concerns or want to connect with other pregnant mamas or me. So you can check out all the details of the birth preparation course at drnicolerankins.com forward slash enroll. I would love to see you inside the course. All right, let's get into the conversation with Chelsea. Thank you so much, Chelsea, for agreeing to come on to the podcast. I am super excited to talk to you about your birth story today. I'm excited to be here. Yeah, so why don't you start off by telling us a bit about yourself and your family. So I live in Atlanta with my husband. Uh, we got married in 2020, just oh, before everything COVID, shut okay, down. Okay, yeah. so you managed to get it in before it got too crazy. Yes, yeah. before anybody knew what was up, we got yeah. married. Um, so we've been married for about three years. I work as a public defender in DeKalb County, and he is an engineer. Uh, so both very overthinkers. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, and this was our first. This was our first kid. Okay, okay, all right, all right. And how long have you been in Atlanta? Mm, I came back to Atlanta from undergrad. So I did my undergrad at Howard, and I came back to Atlanta for law school. Okay. And that's when I ended up staying in the city. I gotcha. grew up just outside the city. Okay, okay. I went to Spelman and A and T, but I'm okay. gonna give you a, a pass for going to Howard. So shout out, <laughs> shout out to HBCUs. Shout out to HBCUs. All right. <laughs> so why don't we start off by telling, by having you tell us what your pregnancy and prenatal care was like. Like who did you see for your care? How do you feel about your care? Um, did you have any problems or anything? So thankfully I had a very smooth pregnancy. Mm-hmm. I went to a regular, uh, obstetrician practice. Okay. I didn't do any research into picking them. Okay. Uh, when I found out I was pregnant, I was pretty shocked. Right. And I asked my best friend who already had a kid and a set of twins. Okay. And she was like, Oh, I love these people here. And I was like, great. Send me the number. Um, so 
it's just an obstetrician practice. They don't have any midwives or anything like that. Okay. But yeah, no issues, no high blood pressure, no gestational diabetes, nothing. That okay. was all fine. Okay. Okay. And did you see multiple different doctors during the practice or did you just see one particular doctor? So I saw multiple different doctors in the practice because, mm-hmm. um, Basically, when you're delivering, they'll be you get whoever you get yeah. out of the practice. Mm-hmm. Toward the end of my pregnancy, I saw my favorite doctor out of the practice, okay. and I wanted her to deliver my baby. She's right. the absolute best, mm. but of course, like everything else, it didn't go that way. Oh, okay, <laughs> okay, okay. But you felt like you felt like you were listened to. Like felt like you were treated well. Like how did you feel about the care? Yeah, it varied. It varied okay. from doctor to doctor. My mm-hmm. favorite doctor, she just I mean, she was head and shoulders above everyone else that mm. I dealt with. She was I guess um, what made her what made her so good then? Yeah, she was personable. She uh-huh. came in the room and she sat down, mm. which is the difference between sitting down and standing up just makes you want to talk more, makes you feel like, wow, you really, when you ask this question, you want me to actually think and give you an answer. You're not rushing out the door. Um, she asked me how my baby shower was, you know, like personal questions that it seemed like you shouldn't even have time to ask me that. Right. 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 (laughs) And somehow she did it and our appointments still didn't drag on. They weren't like extra long it's just she took the time to say yeah and how is this and Mm. i remember this and she just made me feel like she really cared about me as a person right and many of the other doctors there were pretty personable too they just didn't have that same level of connection gotcha um and then i had a i did have an experience with one particular doctor Mm -hmm. where i felt completely like she didn't listen to me Mm. (laughs) i mean i know i guess i can't say i know she didn't listen to me but no, you I, you know she she ain't listening. I mean, <laughs> what what yeah what what happened? So I have a half sister who has a blood condition, okay. and um, the previous doctor I told her about it. She said, okay, we need to get your blood test just to rule it out. Okay. So once I went into this visit, I told this doctor who was you know this is a different doctor and I said hey Mm -hmm. they mentioned I need to get you know a blood test for this and she looked in my chart and she said oh yeah I see in here they do want you to get tested for that and I was like great you know she was like okay I'm gonna um get you this paperwork so you can get your blood drawn and of course I'm thinking I'm getting my blood drawn for the thing I just told you I need to get my blood drawn for so I go and you know they take my blood and I come back to my next appointment and I'm with the doctor that I love. And she's like, okay, we got to go ahead and get your blood drawn for this thing. And I'm like, why? That's what I just did. Right. I, I did that last time. Right. And she's like, oh no, that blood draw was for something else. It was for this like more routine test. I was oh. very annoyed. I'm okay. right here with the people taking right. my blood. Why wouldn't you send both? Right, 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 right. Okay. Well, maybe I take it back. Maybe she did just make a mistake and didn't. It's hard to know because sometimes it's somebody else checking off the forms and, and, and whatnot. But that's so, but this is one of the things that I love to hear about people's stories because these are things that we don't recognize on our side that we need to pay attention to these little details because that's annoying oh, yeah. that you have to get your blood right. drawn twice. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. For sure. So I'm, I'm, I'm definitely glad you shared that, but I, I'm also glad that you never felt like overtly disrespected oh, no. or anything no, like no, that. No, no, no. Yeah. Okay. Thankfully. Okay. Okay. Good, 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 good. So what did you do to prepare for your birth? What didn't I do <laughs> is a shorter list. <laughs> okay. All right. Let's get it all. <laughs> uh, so I took your birth course. Uh-huh. I listened to probably 80% and that's being 
conservative right. of your podcast episode. Oh my gosh. Um, I-, <laughs> <laughs> I listen to various other podcasts and uh-huh. YouTube episodes on uh-huh. hypnobirthing. Okay. Oh, do you remember which ones? I always like to share other stuff with people if you remember any names. Yeah. Uh, the podcast for hypnobirthing, let's see, it was, I think this woman, she's in like Australia or something. Oh, I think I know what you're talking about. Hypno What. Okay. Hypno What. Okay. Podcast. And I um, I took the birth planning course as uh-huh. well. And I did the date smoothies and the raspberry tea okay. and the perineal massages. Okay. And I went to a uh, pelvic floor physical therapist. Oh, wow. Chiropractor. You were, you, okay. You weren't lying when you said, what did I not do? Okay. <laughs> so. Did you find the pelvic physical floor therapist helpful? Absolutely. Absolutely. Okay. She was great. She was such a, she's such a sweet woman. Um, she, I thought she was just going to say like, here's how you do the perineal massage. Right, and really right. I only went to establish care sure. so that afterwards when I thought I would it, need her, right. I could just more easily go. Right. But she was like, here's how you can push. Let me teach you how to breathe. Let me show you what's effective when you're breathing and what's not effective and show you where you'll feel it. Right. I was like, wow, I didn't expect this. And she sent me home with a lot of, uh, a lot of information. Nice. How did you find her? My favorite doctor recommended her. Okay. See, this is what, (laughs) when we work well together, you give people the resources that they need. Okay. Okay. And she made that recommendation without me asking. Nice. Mm Mm-hmm. See, I love this. Yeah. Uh, listen, you need to shout out this doctor. What is her name? <laughs> Let me make sure I don't get her name yeah. wrong because it's, it's a long name. Her last name is McConan. It's Dr. McConan, but her first name is Citra. Okay. S-I-T-R-A, Citra McConan. Okay. All right. I love it. I love it. And then what about the chiropractor? How did you feel about going to a chiropractor? I was scared. Mm-hmm. Um, I had never done chiropractic care before. Mm-hmm. Um. I got the vibes from my doctors that they were like, mm, go to this physical therapist in- instead. Okay. You know, it was a little bit like, mm, I don't know about that. Right. But my best friend, she really swore by it, uh-huh. um, her uh, pregnancy. Um, and my experience was great. Thankfully, I feel like God was like, I know you're scared and right. you're skeptical. Right. Because as soon as I got in there, she was working on a pregnant woman. See? <laughs> See, <laughs> and so you know, I interrogated her while she was getting adjusted. I was like, "And, and how long have you been coming? And how do you like it?" <laughs> that was that attorney in you, know? <laughs> absolutely, absolutely. That's like, okay. I guess I'm gonna live. We'll right, be okay. Right, right. And then, did your insurance cover both of these? One and not the other. Okay. It did cover a good bit of the um, chiropractic visit, uh-huh. but not the the physical therapist was not in network. Uh, okay. 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 All right. All right. So it's not that they don't cover physical therapy. It just didn't happen to be in, in network. Okay. Correct. Okay. Which okay. it sucked because I had already fallen in love with the doctor sure. and then I was like, well, now I'm just going to have to pay because I don't know who I'm going to find somewhere else. Right, 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 right. Yeah. That can be tricky. Insurance is insurance is insurance. Okay. So you did chiropractor, pelvic physical therapist. Did you read any books or anything? No, I did not read any books. Okay. I, anything I could do passively, basically, gotcha. um, listening, love it, yeah. watching, uh-huh. um, yep. those yep. kinds of things. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, so you did all of the things. Did you feel ready going into the experience? More than ready. Okay. I, I was like 
testing my husband. I was quizzing him. I was like, okay, what's, what's a negative one, 40%, uh, three. What does that mean? <laughs> you were like, we're going to be ready to we, everything that comes our way. We're going to know. Yes. Yes. All yes. right. All right. <laughs> so what are some things that you wanted for your birth? I wanted to have an unmedicated mm-hmm. vaginal delivery. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I just wanted it to be short. Uh, not necessarily short, but I just wanted it to be simple okay. and smooth and mm-hmm. no, you know, no complications. That's what I was hoping for. Okay. Okay. All right. All right. So, and then I guess things like skin to skin contact, delayed core clamping. Oh, yeah. Most people want those things. Yeah. Yeah. This episode is sponsored by Byheart. Byheart is an infant nutrition company built from the ground up to deliver real innovation on behalf of babies and parents. Their mission is simple, make the best formula in the world. Using the latest in breast milk science, Byheart created a clinically proven, easy to digest infant formula that's made with organic grass-fed whole milk, certified clean ingredients, and features a patented protein blend that gets closest to breast milk. Their blend includes the most abundant protein found in breast milk, alpha-lac, as well as lactoferrin, the number one protein found in colostrum. In addition to its patented protein blend, their formula includes prebiotics and an 80-20 weight-to-casein ratio like in early breast milk, which is tailor-made for a newborn's digestive system and makes it an easy-to-digest formula. Curious about Byheart? Redeem your welcome offer at byheart.com forward slash podcast with code Dr. Nicole for a limited time. Additional terms and conditions apply. And did you talk about some of the things that you wanted with your practice? I did. So I researched the hospital that I was going to be delivering uh-huh. at and found that they actually had a birth plan form. Okay. Um, and so that gave me a lot of confidence uh-huh. that this is something they're familiar with sure. and that they're, you know, they actually will pay attention to. Sure. So I filled that out and it addressed a lot of the things that needed to be addressed. Nice. And I gave that to my doctor and I said, what is, you know, what does it look like to you? Right. There are a couple of things I was like, I don't know what this is. Like they had a crazy question on there. Like, what's your pain preference? What is a pain preference? I, I prefer no pain. <laughs> I don't know what that is. Yeah. <laughs> so, you know, I asked her about the things on there that didn't make sense. Right. And, you know, we kind of talked through it. I will say in hindsight, I wish I would have, I guess, gotten more clarity about their, basically their policy on like how long they'll let you go past your due date. Mm. Because at once we got close to my due date, we were on two different pages. Okay. And I was like, I thought, I thought this. And they were like, oh, absolutely not we only do this. Okay. Um, Okay. So that was a little bit scary, but it didn't end up being relevant. Gotcha. Gotcha. So I guess where were you and where were they? Um, it's hard to remember now. I think I wanted to go to at least 42 weeks. Mm -hmm. Um, and they were like, they don't like to have people go a day over 41. Um, and that's not uncommon for folks to it. Well, first off, it's unusual to get to 42 weeks period. Like most people aren't going to get there, but I think it's not uncommon. Com- so actually some practice will, practices will say earlier than that. They start pushing for induction at 40 weeks even. So did they seem at least open to the conversation or was it kind of like, no, absolutely. We just, this is not, Yeah, no, they're like, it was just like, sorry for the miscommunication, but this is what we do. Okay. And okay. I was like, well, we don't have in my head, right. In my head, I was like, we don't have to have this argument right. because we'll argue when the time comes. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> if, 
if and when the time comes, that's when I'll expend my energies. Okay. All righty. Listen, you were ready. All right. And this is sometimes you have to decide what you're ready to, if you feel like you need to argue about something, argue about something. If not, if not. So I love that you were going through that thought process and you were prepared. Love that. Love that. So then what happened, what happened with your labor and birth? Okay. So... (laughs) And and I listened to so many birth stories mm-hmm. for this very reason. Right. I didn't want anything to come up that I'd never heard of right. before. Right. I wanted to hear the extremes, the normals, and everything in between. Right. And still, my experience was something I never heard of. <laughs> <laughs> if, if if you know, listening to the podcast, I say it all the time that birth is such an unpredictable process. Oh. Um, I wish we could predict it, but it is so unpredictable. <laughs> so so, what happened in your case? So I was due on a Tuesday Mm -hmm. and, um, the week before I had an appointment on that Friday and I hadn't had any, um, symptoms of labor, nothing. No, I didn't lose my mucus plug or have any contractions or anything. Nothing was happening. Uh Um, so I was a little worried, but I was like, okay, we'll see. We still have some days. Sunday, I started having contractions. Okay. And I was like, okay, I think this is, we're, we're moving somewhere. Right, um, right. They were mild. They were not very strong. They were pretty far apart, but they were consistent okay. throughout the day. Um, so I was like, okay, we're probably looking at something on Monday or maybe my due date on Tuesday. Right. Monday rolls around and toward the evening, the contractions got stronger. Okay. They got closer together. Mm-hmm. I'm using my contraction timer. Okay. Uh, my mom showed up randomly and oh, I was like, what are you doing here? Right. And I was like, oh, this is just you right. know, serendipitous. Right. We're going to the hospital, right. having a baby. Right. And then they spaced out. Mm-hmm. And I was like, oh, I was really disappointed. <laughs> right, right, right. But I was like, you know what? You know, tomorrow's my due date and uh-huh. maybe we're going to have a due date baby. Uh-huh. Like my husband predicted we'd have a due date baby. Sure. So, you know, this was practice. Right. Right. Staying positive. Right. You know, I'm still holding okay. on to hope. Okay. So then Tuesday comes along and it is identical to Monday. Okay. Contractions all day. They pick up at night, stronger, close together, and then they space out. Okay. And I was... In the midst of all of this, I'm doing all the labor things. Mm-hmm. I'm resting. I'm walking. Mm-hmm. I'm curb walking. I'm uh, bouncing on the ball. Mm-hmm. I'm doing different positions. I'm sitting up, laying down. Anything I'd ever heard of. That can, <laughs> that can help speed things along. Yes. I'm doing it. Right. and trying not to drive myself crazy, right. but, you know, I was. Um, so then Wednesday came and... It started to feel the same as Monday and Tuesday. And I had, mind you, been contracting every single night mm-hmm. as well. And they never just completely stopped. Mm-hmm. So I was like, I'm sick of sleeping or trying to sleep sure. while having contractions sure. for the past three nights. Right. So Wednesday, I called my um, doctor and I was like, what's up? What right. is this? Right. I've never heard of this happening to anyone before. Right. Why is this happening to me? And she was like, come on in. Let's check you out and see maybe what's going on. So they hook me up to the, uh, you know, the monitor and they find that I'm actually contracting every two to four minutes. Okay. And my cervix was at a two. Okay. Okay. And so she's like, you're contracting a lot, but you're not making any progress. Mm -hmm. So you're not in active labor. Mm -hmm. So we're going to go ahead and send you home. And if your water breaks, come back. If you go into active labor, come back. Mm -hmm. And I'm like, okay. So... Wednesday night into Thursday morning, I'm still contracting. And then I have a big contraction and my water breaks. Okay. 
And so I'm like, all right, here it is. We're right. going into the hospital right. day two. Right. So we went in. Oh, and when your water um, broke, was it, was it pretty obvious? Like this is. It was it every is, story I ever heard okay. of, of water break. It okay. was warm, okay. a gush of water, okay. a whole puddle on my bed, gotcha. dripping across the floor. Gotcha. It was very it, obvious. Yeah. Yeah. I, I wiped some of it up off the floor, just took a picture of it just so that I could accurately describe right. to them like what this fluid looks like. Right. So I get to the hospital and it took a, a minute. So maybe my water broke at like seven. We didn't get to the hospital till like 10 sure. yeah. or so. Mm-hmm. I finally get into my room and the nurse does the test to see if, you know, it's amniotic fluid mm-hmm. to confirm. Right. And uh, both tex- tests come back negative. Mm. And I'm like, Okay, but my water broke. Right. I don't know about the test. But- <laughs> <laughs> I don't know, I know what I know, doing, but I know what happened. Okay, <laughs> right. right. I don't know. The, your test might be old. I, I don't know what to tell you. Right, right. But my water broke. Right, right. And so the doctor who I felt like didn't listen to me that last time mm. before that doctor. That's mm. who I had that morning. Okay. Or yeah, it was still morning by that point. And she was like, well, your test came back negative. So your water didn't break. And I was like, but it did. Okay. And she's like, it didn't. Right. And so we back and forth. <laughs> so, but we yeah, so she, back so and she forth. doesn't listen. Cause she didn't, did she even ask you like what happened? No, what? but I described it to her uh-huh. several times. Right. And, um, She's and I said, well, if that if that was not my water breaking, tell me what physical phenomenon for a person who is now two days past her due date. What what physical phenomenon you think that was? Right. Just help me understand. Right. (laughs) And she was like, well, the test came back negative, so it couldn't have been your water. And I'm like, okay, girl. And she's like, so we're going to um, go ahead and discharge you and come back if your water breaks. I mean, it was very like, it felt very like, mm. I don't care what you say. The Tesla's negative. Mm-hmm. You're wrong. Did she, did she offer to do an exam and look and see if your water broke or anything like that? I think she, I think she did see, try to see if she could fill the, uh, the sack. Uh-huh. I can't remember what she ultimately said, okay. but whatever it was, it didn't convince her uh-huh. that my water had broken. Right. And I was like, okay, well, y- you know, it's y'all who told me to come in if my water broke. Right. right. So if you're sending me home, but there was a reason you wanted me here, I'm hoping there's no issue with me going home because right. it, it did. Right. 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 <laughs> and she was like, well, we don't have to talk about that because your water didn't break. And I was like, oh. So I'm putting my clothes on and I'm like, whatever. I mean, I'm, I, I've said all I could say. There's nothing else I can say at this point. She's discharging right. me. So I guess we're going home. I got all my clothes back on about 15 minutes later. She comes in and says, I'm actually going to send you down to get a, a ultrasound so we can see how much fluid you have. Uh, make sure the baby has enough fluid just in case you have a slow leak. Not just in case your water broke, right. but just in case you have a slow leak. Right. And I'm like, okay. okay. Right. So it takes six hours. For me to get in for the ultrasound. <laughs> Six hours. And um, my contractions pick up. They're getting stronger. And so I'm kind of like, you know what? Maybe this is all by design. And we're going to have this baby anyways, regardless. Right. And were you continuing to leak fluid? No. And ultimately, that's why the thing kept come back negative. Okay. So what they found when they did the ultrasound was that I barely had any fluid left. Mm-hmm. So <laughs> it was... It was, it, was yeah. all, it was all gone. Right. So that's right. why the test was coming back negative. Uh-huh. And I had changed two pads. And I told her that too. I had changed two pads of fluid right. from the house to the hospital. Gotcha. So that there was just nothing more for it to, to test, mm-hmm. I guess. 
Mm-hmm. And so then, you know, I go back to the room and then wait for her to come and, and tell me the results that they also told me. Right. And she's like, so they're saying you have really low fluid. So we're going to assume rupture of membranes. And I'm just you like, like, why you like can't I just told you. Say, yeah. I'm like, <laughs> why you can't just say you were right? I'm sorry. Mm-hmm. You know, mm-hmm. even if you're not sorry, it's just you made me feel crazy, right. you know, like you suggested, maybe it was urine, maybe it was a uh, discharge, mm-hmm. but I'm like, that doesn't. Okay. Right. So it kind of already started off on like a bad foot mm-hmm. there, but mm-hmm. then the very next thing they did was suggest that I get induced. And I was like, induced, I don't need to be induced. It hasn't even been 24 hours that my water broke. Right. I know I'm at risk for infection once the water breaks, but it ain't even been 24 hours. Right. Like, we're rushing, blah, blah, blah. Right. And they were like, well, you've been contracting since Sunday and you're not making any progress. So what are the chances that that's going to change in 24 hours? And that pretty much convinced me. And I was like, yeah, this is pretty a sustained pattern of, of my own contractions not being sufficient. So I guess so. So that was a pretty heartbreaking point for me because right. I felt like God I didn't want any interventions. Mm-hmm. I didn't I definitely didn't want Pitocin mm-hmm. because I thought if I get Pitocin, it's probably gonna be too much to, to handle, then I'm gonna want an epidural. Sure. If I get an epidural, you know, right. then we just roll and roll. Right. So I said, okay, they were gonna do a, a cert cervidil cervidil uh-huh is what they were gonna do and I was like, okay, that sounds like you know, a step down from Pitocin. Right. They were like, but we have to monitor your contractions first because you have to have a certain amount of space between your contractions Mm -hmm. for us to deem it safe for you to have this medication. Right. So I was like, okay. Um, And they were like, ultimately, no, your contractions are too close together and we can't, we can't give you this medication and we have to give you Pitocin. And I was like, okay. So cried over that. But were you, you were you feeling the contractions? Not all of them. Okay. Not all of them, just some of them. Okay. So they started me on the Pitocin. They upped it every 30 minutes. Mm-hmm. And I ended up being on the Pitocin from Thursday. This was now early evening because mm-hmm. it took six hours, like from 10 or 11 mm-hmm. for me to get the thing. Mm-hmm. So it was like early evening, Thursday through all of Friday. Okay. <laughs> all, okay. And, okay. Yeah. Okay. So early Friday evening... Now this was my third doctor and uh-huh. she, she was clocking off and she was like, you know, you're doing good. I, I think I had progressed to like a, I want to say like four or five centimeters. Okay. Um, she was like, you're making progress, but we have to turn the, uh, Pitocin off. Okay. And I was like, why? She's saying your contractions are too strong and they're too close together. And we're concerned about the baby's well-being. Mm-hmm. His heart rate had not dipped or anything like that, uh-huh. but they were just seeing that my contractions were consistently strong and consistently close together. Okay. And did you have an epidural at all? No. <laughs> okay. So all this time you, so almost so 24 hours Yes. was it? Okay. Yes. Okay. Yeah. I was doing all the things I had a hour long, um, what is that thing called? Affirmations tape. Uh-huh. So I would listen to that. And then once that was over, I would listen to music right. for an hour or two. Right. I danced around. Uh-huh. I swayed with my husband. Sure. I bounced on the ball. Right. I used the peanut ball. Right. I just never stopped moving. Right. Did you rest? Did you rest at all? 
how how I, I, you know I'm, I'm out here asking dumb questions apparently but i just no, I, I, I i couldn't right I couldn't. no they were they were coming they were they, coming right all the time right which i i mean part of what helped me to continue like using my tools and pushing through was that you know, pain equals progress. Pain mm-hmm. equals progress. Mm-hmm. We're going to have a baby here. So right. it's, it's got to be painful. It ain't right. going to be always, you know, so let's just whatever, you know, right. the more pain, the better, because I've been going through, you know, three or four days of mild pain right. consistently right. that didn't get me anywhere. So, you know, if we got to go through a, a day or two of, you know, intense pain sure. to get us somewhere, right. I, I'll do it, okay. you know? Okay. So that was kind of my, my head space. Gotcha. Gotcha. Very, I, I can be very headstrong and determined in what I want. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so they were like, are you okay? Cause we're watching the monitor and these contractions right. are crazy. Right. Right. <laughs> I was like, I wasn't really answering cause I was Ooh, you breathing. In, sure. Yes. <laughs> like, yes. Yes. I'm here. Yes. Oh my goodness. Okay. So Friday night, you said the doctor was going off. She said things were, you were making progress, mm-hmm. but they had to turn off the Pitocin. Mm-hmm. And then what, what happened from, from there? So she said, you know, turning it off shouldn't, shouldn't make me lose any progress. Mm-hmm. And they'll just, you know, start cranking it back up from the bottom again. And mm-hmm. hopefully, you know, find the sweet spot. That's what they call it, the sweet so- sure. spot for me. Mm-hmm. Um, and I was like, okay, well, let me just embrace this period of rest. Mm-hmm. You know, this will be the first time in right. a day that right. I'm not contracting right. or really in, in days right. that I'm not contracting. Uh, so I took that to like rest and like, I think I took a little nap and then the next doctor came in on her shift mm-hmm. and she sat on the couch. None of the other doctors sat on the couch. Right. So I'm looking at her like, what you doing? Why are you sitting down? <laughs> right. <laughs> <laughs> and when did she come in? <laughs> she came in the night shift. So Okay, that's right. Okay. Yeah. Yeah, this is maybe like ten o'clock. Okay. No, nah, maybe like nine o'clock. Okay. Okay. About nine o'clock. Okay. And um, she's like, hey, Chelsea, how's it going? Blah, blah, blah. And I'm like, get to the point because you're sitting down. What is it? <laughs> you know? Let me tell you something. I would be like, let me be on my, my toes when I come in your room because you go. <laughs> I mean, I didn't say that to her. I know but that's like mean. my demeanor yes. is like, okay, yes. I know we're going somewhere. Yes. So she's like, you know, honestly, I think we need to start talking about a C section. And I'm like, why is that? And she says, you know, it's now been over 24 hours that your water broke. You've been on Pitocin for over 24 hours. You know, we should be further along than we are. We don't know how long it's going to take. Da, da, da. And then she says, this was, this was new information to me. And, you know, with having a big baby, even if you do go through with vaginal delivery, you, you know, risk things like shoulder dystocia. And I'm like, wait a minute, what big baby? What are you right, talking about? Right. And she was like, oh, they didn't tell you. They think that, um, your, your baby's going to be nine pounds and three ounces. And I was like, no, they didn't tell me that. And she was like, oh yeah, he's going to be a big baby. I didn't know the gender. She just called it, called my baby a he, he did turn out to be a he. Right. And I was like, well, you know, from all my, my podcast and research knowledge, I was like, well, these, it's, you know, estimations are not always accurate. And mm-hmm. that's not something I want to base my decision to have a C-section on solely. Right. And she's like, OK, well, they can be wrong in either direction. He could be bigger than that. And I'm like, OK, <laughs> she was feisty. She was feisty. Right. Um, and so she's like. 
basically kind of breaking it to me why she thinks I should have a, I should consider having a C-section. Mm-hmm. And I'm really, you know, this has got me a little up in arms. I'm like, oh my gosh, okay, so what do we need to do? And I'm like, I started like negotiating with her. Like, okay, so how much time are you going to give me? How much more time can you give me before right. you need to make this decision? Right. And she's like, well, if you want to keep going on the Pitocin, we can do another another hour or two. I was like, give me three. <laughs> <laughs> like let's, let's go let's go to midnight you know right and she's like okay let's do midnight i'll be back and we'll see what your progress is like right so when the last doctor left she checked me and i was 80 percent effaced uh-huh. in negative one station uh-huh. and i want to say like four centimeters okay. dilated okay this doctor comes back at midnight oh i forgot i forgot part okay back up She also suggested that I get an epidural to potentially relax my pelvis so Mm -hmm. that maybe I can make more progress. And I was like, well, I've never heard of that before. And she was like, well, it works for some people, not all people, but it's a, it's, it's something you could try. And I was like, okay. And we were like, we were ready to try anything because we felt like we were at the end of our rope and our, you know, options were getting limited. So they had the person come in to do the epidural. They came like pretty quickly. We didn't mm-hmm. really have to wait very long. Mm-hmm. And as soon as they they did the injection, the anesthesiologist was like, you're going to feel a, a small pinch. And that was a whole lie. It felt like I got stung by three bees and then my back was burning. And on top of that, emotionally, I'm feeling more defeated because I'm like, I'm on Pitocin. Now I'm about to get an epidural. This is literally the story of everything I didn't want. And I just broke down and I was boohoo crying. And my mom's holding me. My husband's holding me. The nurse is holding me because I need to be still. (laughs) Right. 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 But it's like, I, it's not that I didn't care about being still. I, my emotions completely overcame me and I was just, I felt out of control, right? completely out of control at that point. Um, so I, you know, I laid back in the bed and the epidural, you know, was taking effect. And I'm thinking of all the stories about the people who are like, it only worked in my left leg and it only mm-hmm. halfway took. And so mm-hmm. I'm like, this thing better, better work. Like at least give me that. Yeah. <laughs> right. So I barely gave it five minutes before I was like, I don't know. I feel my ankle. Right. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know about this. Right. And they were like, just give it some more time. We know, right. give it some more time. Right. Ultimately it was, it was perfect. I had no, okay. no complaints. Ultimately okay. I was over, overthinking it all. Gotcha. So I'm laying in the bed, can't feel anything from the waist down. I can't move. I'm feeling completely powerless and defeated and trying to wrap my mind around. Well, there's maybe still hope, maybe still hope. Right. Doctor comes in she checks me and she says, um, you're like a seven. And I'm like, okay, okay, seven. Right. Then she says, mm, I'm going to call that a six. And I was like, oh, okay, okay, that's something. We right. went somewhere. Right. And then she said, you know, but you're only 40% effaced and you're at a one. And I said, hold up, babies don't go backwards. I was like, that's right. not what the last doctor said. And I told her the last reading and she said, I don't agree with the last doctor. Okay. Okay. Right. Where where does that leave me? I can't be like, well, bring me a third doctor. Right. Right. (laughs) (laughs) I I was like, okay. All right. So 
she basically was like, this isn't enough, you know, progress. And, um, and she just more strongly suggested a C-section at that point. And so I asked her to walk me through her thought process of what the other options could have been. And, you know, what about this? What about that? And what if we do this? And what's your concern there? And she was annoyed with me asking these questions. And ultimately she said, there comes a time when you need to just trust your medical team. I've been doing this for X number of years. And I was like, hold up. I'm trying to understand what's going on. I want to be educated. I want to be able to make this decision and feel good about it. Like this is my body, you know? And she was, she was basically just like, you need to trust me. And I was like, what I wanted to say was, girl, I don't know you. This is what I'm saying. Like, right. Right. Like, (laughs) why should I trust you? Okay. Like, but I I was trying to hedge because I thought, you know, obviously there's a big chance that I do have a C-section and she's going to have a knife to me. So let me, (laughs) let me try to hedge a little bit. I can't really check her. She was like, so what do you want to do? And I was like, I need to talk to my husband about this. Like we need to discuss it and then make a decision. And she was like, well, I'm not going to be here all night. You know, you don't have all night to make this decision. And I'm like, I, I deserve an opportunity to think about this decision and make an informed choice. I literally had to say that, you know, it was like, I had to put on my lawyer hat and like defend myself. Right. And what did she say in response to that? She said, okay, tell your nurse, you know, like, and she like walked out, like she was visibly annoyed with me. Right. And I was just like, I'm the one laying in a hospital bed with the IV in my arm and been dragging around this pole all day right. and 17 right. machines over here beeping in my ear. And you right. got attitude with me. Right. 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 <sighs> you know, it was, it, I couldn't even address that because, because I was going through so much. Sure. You know, sure. I was, I just had to like, okay, whatever, you know, that's for another day to like process because I can't even get through the reality of where we are right now. As an OBGYN and podcast host, I'm excited to share a resource that empowers mothers and mothers-to-be in managing their pelvic floor and core health. It's called Informed Pregnancy Plus, and it offers access to essential workshops that can significantly enhance your understanding and care of your body during and after pregnancy. Discover the Core Connection, a foundational five-episode series by Natalie Headings, a pre-postnatal exercise specialist. This series covers the basics of pelvic floor health, teaches key postural adjustments, and shows you how to activate your core properly. For a more comprehensive experience, check out Mindful Movement. This premium series provides in-depth content, including practical exercises and personalized strategies to strengthen your body. It's like having a pelvic health expert in your home. You can try the full subscription streaming library of Informed Pregnancy Plus absolutely free. Visit informedpregnancy.tv to start an empowered journey toward a healthier motherhood. Take this step for your health, your body, and your baby will thank you. So we ultimately decided to have the C-section. The biggest determining factor was that uh, my husband had been watching the baby's heart monitor machine uh-huh. and he himself noticed a significant D cell and it was to 60. Okay. And so, and it was the only one, but it was significant. Sure. And so we didn't want to chance that. Um, right. And so I was like, okay, let's, let's do this. 
It was it was with, tough. With that doctor, with the one who was like annoyed, that was mm-hmm. the one who did the C-section? Yes. How, I mean, how did that make you feel? I think by the time we'd made the decision to do the C-section, uh-huh. I, I kind of suppressed my emotions and right. de- dealt only with my rational brain okay. Okay. Um, because I reasoned that, you know, this woman sounds pretty arrogant, mm-hmm. you know, and she speaks about C-sections very flippantly and arrogantly. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I said, she must be good at them. She must okay. feel like this is an easy okay. whatever surgery. Okay. While emotionally, it was not fair for her to sure. say it so flippantly right. uh, or even treat it like it didn't, you know, like it wasn't right. major surgery. Right. But I reasoned that if she feels so like, because at one point she was like, it's just 30 minutes and we'll be done. Right. Like if she could talk about it that way, she probably really is just going to get in and get out and move on. You know, right. she's probably going to be good. So that helped me to be at peace with her, sure. you know, being my surgeon. Did she, did she change her demeanor at all? Not really. I mean, she okay. didn't, she didn't continue to be mean, mm-hmm. but she didn't like make amends mm-hmm. for how she treated me. She mm-hmm. was just like, okay, it's going to be fine. You're going to be fine. You know, right. That, that was like it. But you know, the C-section went really well. Okay. I was surprisingly like joyful to be in there about okay. to have surgery okay. because I was like, somebody going to get this baby. Right. <laughs> I, can't, <laughs> I can't do this no more. Right. <laughs> somebody going to get this baby out. Right. right. And how much did he weigh? Nine pounds and five ounces. Okay. All right. So the ultrasound actually was accurate. Mm-hmm. That doesn't mean you couldn't have pushed him out, but, um, mm-hmm. yeah, yeah. The ultrasound and actually was accurate. Uh-huh. She made sure to come back. I was, while to say. I was in the recovery room uh-huh. to say, Oh, did you see that? He was nine pounds and five ounces. Right. So I guess they were right. And I was just like, really? Yeah. He, really? He's like, you really want me to like come out of my name right now? <laughs> I know. I'm like, catch me, catch me after recovery. Okay. How about that? Say that to me after. Yes. After yes. I can walk again. Yes. yes. <laughs> oh my goodness. Did it, do you think it would have made you feel better if at any point people, did anybody ever acknowledge like I know this isn't the way that you wanted things to go did anybody ever acknowledge that do you think that would have made a difference there were one or two nurses I would say I had so I had like four or five different nurses I'd say Uh at least three out of five of my nurses were superb above and beyond super like kind, mm-hmm. helpful, personable. Mm-hmm. They, mm-hmm. it felt like they like cared about me, you know, sure. like as a person. Sure. Um, and they were the ones who had those conversations with me, you know, but you know, you're going to be okay. And I, you know, I know this is hard and you know, that sort of thing. But the nurse, the final nurse I had, she was very sweet mm-hmm. and well-meaning, mm-hmm. but she was mostly like trying to do her job correctly. Okay. And I don't know if it's because she was fairly new or uh-huh. if that was just her personality type. Sure, sure. Um, Cause she tried to tell me I couldn't eat. And I was like, oh, okay, okay. I'll go keep eating. Right. So, <laughs> <laughs> I was like, do you know how long I've been here? Right, Did you read right, the chart? right, like, right, right. You're crazy. But she, you know, she didn't say anything harmful. I uh-huh. think she just kind of was more so trying to do her job, but wasn't really empathizing. Gotcha. You know, she wasn't gotcha. really in the moment. Right. 
Right. So then what was the recovery like from your C-section? Um, I should have listened to more C-section stories. <laughs> it, it was shocking. Um, I recovered well and quickly. Mm-hmm. Okay. But, you know, that, that thing is serious. It's, I, a, it's a major you know, surgery. I had to have somebody yeah. walk me to the bathroom, you know, the mm-hmm. first time that I was able to stand up. Mm-hmm. And uh, the first time that I used the bathroom, this incredible nurse was there. And she was like, do you want me to help you wipe? Do you want me to spray you down? Right. You know? And I'm like, yeah, because, girl, I'm just. Right. Right. <laughs> right. I'm through. Right. You know, in hindsight, I, I was up and walking and moving and I healed very well. I had no complications or sure. anything like that. And everything went very smoothly, but during it, mm-hmm. not knowing what to expect whatsoever, it was very jarring um, yeah. to be so incapacitated. Yeah. 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 And then how, what about breastfeeding? How was that? <laughs> it was rough. It's a labor <laughs> of love as I have so often oh, called it. Lord. Yeah. They, uh, they gave him to me right after they stitched me up for him uh-huh. to, um, to feed. And he did, he latched Okay. very strong suck. Okay. Um, and we were able to breastfeed the whole time we were in the hospital and had great lactation consultants coming in and, and uh-huh. assisting us. Um, but I don't know what was going on with like the mechanics of his mouth. Uh-huh. Cause on the outside, his latch looked fine. Um, but he was tearing me up and okay. that continued once I got home and I ended okay. up stopping to pump okay. exclusively. So okay. I've been exclusively pumping, but now he's, he's a big, big boy. He's like 13 pounds. Oh and my goodness. He, he latches and, uh, breastfeeding is a lot smoother. Well, good, 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 good. So how do you feel about everything? I've, I've definitely had time to process it more mm-hmm. and I feel grateful, mm-hmm. uh, to have survived and healed as well as I did. Right. Um, and not had any complications post op or during, mm-hmm. I feel very grateful that he, you know, was very healthy. He wasn't right. jaundiced. Right. He didn't have any, anything, anything, any reason they needed to treat him any other way than you know, just giving him his vaccination and sure sending him out. Um, so I feel really, really grateful that ultimately my bottom line was met. Right. I did have a, a moment when I, after I got home, I had a fever and my biggest fear, I told my doctor, my biggest fear, cause this was on my birth plan. She had uh-huh. asked, what's your biggest fear? Right. And I said, Oh, my, my biggest fear is tearing. Right. Um, the truth is my biggest fear was dying. Right. Uh, but that felt silly to write and I didn't want to have to discuss that with anyone. So I didn't say anything to anyone about that, right. but right. I, in hindsight, I probably should have, cause it was kind right. of a encompassing fear. Sure. Um, so when I had a fever, I immediately thought the worst. Okay. okay. I thought, and especially as a black know, woman, you're worried. I yeah. thought this is mm-hmm. an infection. Mm-hmm. It didn't go well. I knew I wasn't out of the woods. You know, mm-hmm. I'm going to leave my husband along with the baby. And I mean, my, my mind went, it's- all the way there. Mm-hmm. And thankfully it was just caused by my milk coming okay. in. Okay. <laughs> it was literally nothing. It right. lasted, right. you know, no time. Right. But that just showed me how much I had held on to that fear. Sure. Thankfully now I've had like a couple counseling sessions and had time mm-hmm. to process and more sleep. 
Mm-hmm. That's the big, you know, right. not sleeping right. and trying right. to process something that big is bad combination. But now, you know, I'm really, really grateful to have him. And I have more respect for what it means to have a C-section. Mm-hmm. And I don't feel like, like I didn't give birth. Because yeah, uh, initially birth. I felt like I had surgery and I took home a baby, but I didn't give birth. Okay. Right. 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 So it was a lot to work through. I'm sure still some things to work through. (laughs) Yeah, it is. It is. And I mean, I just, it's, it's just, it's a little heartbreaking for me to, because I just feel like we, we, we can do a better job of like helping people when things aren't going exactly as anticipated. Like if she had sat down and had like a nicer conversation and said, you know, how much time do you need? Do you, you know, baby's not in distress right now. So we don't have to decide right away. Let me step out while you talk to your husband about things. I want you to feel comfortable with this. I don't want you, you know, all of those mm-hmm. things can make such a big difference mm-hmm. in how you perceive the experience. And it's, it doesn't take much more to do. So that part, I'm sorry that you had to experience that. And if, you know, if you catch that doctor on the street, you may have some <laughs> <laughs> but um i'm sorry because it just it just doesn't have to be that that way yeah. there's no reason for it to be that way no. yeah there's no reason for it to be that way so then i guess as we wrap up what is your one piece of advice that you would give to folks who are getting ready to have a baby so i really put some thought into this yeah and i'm gonna try to phrase it in a way that doesn't <laughs> it's not confusing but i would say you know have your vision, have your dream of what your perfect and preferred birth is. Mm-hmm. Put your energies towards whatever it takes to, to get you there, mm-hmm. you know, without driving yourself crazy, without, you know, take care of yourself. But, right. you know, do what you can within your power to, you know, have that kind of outcome that you hope for. Sure. But also put mental energy and serious consideration behind what your best alternative to your preferred birth is Mm. and you know in negotiations they call it you know your botna your best alternative to a negotiated agreement you Uh know like what are you okay with walking away with if you don't get what you want um and and i feel like across the board pretty much for every mother it's the same you know you going home alive Mm -hmm. with a healthy baby you Mm -hmm. know that is every mother pretty much is Uh, 100 yeah and i think I would just say, you know, have faith that what you hope to happen will happen, Mm -hmm. but put serious consideration behind if all goes left, I really want to go home with a healthy baby Mm -hmm. and I will be proud of myself and thankful and grateful and, you know, just the glorious mother that I always hope to be and that can't be taken away from me. If these boxes are not checked. Absolutely. And you, you did literally everything you could possibly have done. (laughs) You couldn't have done anymore. (laughs) So so you took control of all of the things that you could control. Yeah. Um, 100%. So, all right. Well, thank you so much, Chelsea, for agreeing to come and share your story. It was such a delight to talk to you. I would love to take care of you for your next baby. (laughs) (laughs) Thank you for 
having me. You taught me so, 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 so much. And I'm so grateful for the work that you do and just how you really put your heart behind this work. It's, it's well done, well executed. And the sincerity is, is there. Oh, well, thank you. Thank you. Thank you. a great conversation. I really enjoyed talking to Chelsea and I'm so glad that she came and shared her story today. I know we all learned a lot. Now, you know, after every episode, when I have a guest on, I do something called Dr. Nicole's Notes, where I talk about my top takeaways from the conversation. Here are my Dr. Nicole's Notes for my conversation with Chelsea. One of the things she mentioned in the beginning of the episode was finding a doctor and how she found someone who was a recommendation from a friend. Well, if you need some more tips and advice on how to find the right OB doctor for you, then check out episode 150 of the podcast where I go through nine, I think it's nine tips to help you find the best OB doctor for you. Definitely connection is important. Um, asking friends or family members is also important, but you can get all that information in episode 150. It's drnicolerankins.com forward slash episode 150. The second point I want to make is, I think we shared this off of the, the microphone. The person who actually did her birth was part of a different practice. So the practice that she was with shared call with another practice and they made that clear. It wasn't like it was a secret. So she knew that it was a potential that she could get somebody during her birth who she had never actually met because that person was a different practice from a different practice. And I say all that to say that because it is really unpredictable who you are going to get for your birth. These days, practices share a call or groups share a call. And a lot of that is to, for a couple of reasons. One, it's actually safer because your doctor can't, or a doctor should not be on call all of the time, available all of the time for all of their patients. They just can't do that. It's not safe um, to, to be awake that many hours, those kinds of things. So number one is safety that we have scheduled call pools. And then also um, for work-life balance, you know, we have lives too. We have things that we wanna do outside of work. So having a predictable or more predictable schedule helps to facilitate that. So it's quite likely that you will not have the doctor who's taking care of you during your pregnancy, who's there for your birth. And I say all that to say is that it makes it even more critical that you educate yourself, all right? So that you can come to that conversation ready with the knowledge and information that you need to advocate for yourself if need be. And some of the things I talk about inside of the birth preparation course or in my birth plan class as well is how to navigate that when you don't know exactly who will be there for your birth, all right? So important, 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 educate yourself. You can check out the birth preparation course at drnicolerankins.com forward slash enroll. All right, number three is decide what you are going to fight for and be ready. Chelsea talked about how for induction, she was like, I know what I know and I know what I wanna do. And so you have to decide about the things that are really important to you and then be ready to advocate for that. Now do so from a place of being informed about the benefits and risk of your specific choices or options, right? So you're, you shouldn't be going in there guns blazing. Like I don't want to be induced under any circumstances because I want, you know, things to happen quote unquote naturally. But if there's a problem with your pregnancy, if there's a concern about the way the baby is growing, 
then you need to be open to the potential of induction. So I say all that to say, like, go in there, be ready to fight for what you're ready to fight for, but do so from a place of being informed. Chelsea knew that her pregnancy was healthy. She knew that induction does not improve outcomes for babies that are suspected to be big. So know your information because honestly, not all doctors practice evidence-based information. One of the things that I say, I would be delighted to not have to do this work anymore. If folks would just share accurate information, then I wouldn't need to be here. So not all doctors will provide evidence-based information. So decide what you're ready to fight for and, or decide what you want to fight for, what's important to you and be ready. Some things may not be that big of a deal. Maybe you want to be induced. Maybe you're tired of being pregnant. Nothing wrong with that either. There's not a right or wrong in these particular situations. The important thing is to have the information so that you can make choices from a place of being informed, not from a place of fear or coercion or anything like that. Okay. And then the last thing that I'm going to say is that as (laughs) old black folks will say, hot as fish grease about the way she was treated by the doctor around having a cesarean birth. We really should help people feel good about the decisions that they are making. We should not be coming across as being annoyed because someone isn't coming to a decision at a time or place that is convenient for us or that is interrupting our day. It was also really petty for her to go back and say something about the baby's weight, super petty and really unnecessary. I think so much of what we do in terms of like taking care of folks and, and not serving them the right way is not about, some people think it's about like, oh, you're pushing C-section, you're pushing C-section and people are actually okay with different options, as long as you explain things to them, as long as you share your rationale, as long as you are open, as long as you are honest, I have not found that anyone pushes back or thinks that I'm trying to have a separate agenda. When I come from a place of presenting that I'm giving you the options and the things that I think are the best recommendations, and I'm not doing this based on anything that serves me. When you do it from a place of serving the patient first and making them feel good about the situation, then things turned out well. So I was really, really upset and frustrated about the way that her doctor um, treated her. That should not be the case at any point for anyone. All right. So there you have it. Be sure to share this podcast with a friend. Sharing is caring. I am on a mission to reach and serve more pregnant folks. So tap that share button, share the podcast with someone else, um, send it to them. If you can pick five people you know to send it to, I would so, so appreciate it. And then be sure to subscribe to the podcast wherever you are listening to me right now and leave a review in Apple Podcast or shoot me a message on Instagram. I'm on Instagram at Dr. Nicole Rankins. Shoot me a DM. I love to hear what you think about the show. And that is it for this episode. Do come on back next week and remember that you deserve a beautiful pregnancy and birth.
When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Save big on Brunch for Mom, all in the Kroger app. Get half gallons of delicious Kroger milk for $1.29 each. Then get flavorful Tyson Natural Boneless Chicken Breasts for two forty nine dollars a pound, all with your card and a digital coupon. Shop these deals at your local Kroger, less than five miles away. Or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details.